I, t- <laughs> I completely disagree. I knew you would. I hated the smug look on his face. He's such an idiot. Oh, he- I loved it. This is episode 46 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Wednesday, May 29th, 2013. I am your host, TJ, and I'm joined today by our very own Leaf Man, my co-host, Joe Darnell. How is your accent today, Joe? Uh, it's uh, normal, because Leaf Men share our American accents. Uh, not Colin Farrell's version of the Leaf Man. Well, it's a little inconsistent. Inconsistent. They're all over the place. Yeah, and uh, lift. Yeah, no, exactly. They're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of interesting. So, anyway, how are you doing? What was his name? Uh, Bamba. Oh no, no, never mind. Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I I I noticed a very strange thing today. Not very often do my eyes get sensitive to light, and so I'm sitting here at my desk looking at a the computer monitor, and my eyes just started like watering profusely, and I didn't want to sit here anymore. Uh-oh. Went outside for a few minutes and came back inside, but I feel I feel pretty good. My eyes are a little dry now, but I'll survive. Good. Well, we want you to survive, Joe, because we don't know what the the, the world would not be worth living in if you weren't in it. Oh, thank you. So I, we I, certainly, I, I'm blessed. Certainly want you to survive. Now, you wanted to talk about a couple of things, one of these things being a little F you, and that's not very often that we get around to that. Yeah, follow up. Um, I, I don't particularly care for the term F you, even though it's an it's a F, you know, you follow up. Uh, I don't like to use that term. I like to call it follow up. Oh, okay. Because somebody could easily mistake what you were saying, Joe. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I used the term once and somebody said to me, what are you saying? I said, oh, no, no, no. Follow up. Uh, I, you're right. So, um, I just figured I, it was broadly acceptable in the podcast arena. But it I'll is. Take your word for but it. I don't right. think we, all of our listeners. And call it what we feel like is appropriate. I don't think all of our listeners listen to 5 by 5 where they use the abbreviation F for follow and U for up. So anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll go through my notes and take out every usage of F <laughs> and follow up. <laughs> okay. Follow up. And and how do you follow up on such a great show where we had such a great fun time talking to Anthony last week? But we're going to try to do it anyway. Um, and and the, the topic I want to follow up on, it's been a little bit – I mean it's gotten quite a bit of interaction from our readers and from our listeners. And it's something that we really just briefly touched on last week. Uh, last week, and I, I don't have any notes or any prepared statements, so I'm kind of going off the cuff here. So please, please bear with me. Yeah, I'm dying to know where you're going with this because well, you, well, you hang didn't on. actually say. Yes, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with it, Joe. You have to trust me now. Come on, you got you got to keep up with me. Am I drawing I, it out? I enough? have <laughs> I have good faith in you, TJ. For the next 20 minutes, go for it. Okay, so so Anthony mentioned this, and I really hadn't given it a lot of thought, although it did bother me in the theater. And that was this thing with the Carol Marcus in her underwear scene in the shuttle for no apparent reason. And, you know, at the time I thought, well, it bothered me. And and more than more often than not, I mean, things like that will often bother me. And I said, well, it's just, you know, the, the way the movie industry is now or here. But this one was a little more interesting in that it bothered people that you wouldn't necessarily expect it to bother like because most people they don't oh. care. Like like you wouldn't expect Anthony to care about that, right? Or, or I Anthony, wouldn't. you're referring to Anthony, Anthony Pascal yeah. of of TrekMovie.com, who's on the podcast last week. Yeah, and it did bother him. And um, he he actually uh, on he didn't write it up. Uh, Kayla um, Lasavino. I can't. Sorry, I cannot pronounce her name. Apparently, uh, but she uh, wrote an article on Trek Movie about this as well. And I wrote one, and both of these will be in the show notes. 
Uh, mine was called Gratuitous Underwear, in which I talked about this uh, scene. And here's here's why. Okay, so so someone took issue with me in the comments. I got a little interaction with it too on Facebook, and we had some really vile interaction on Facebook too. Like these these uh, super macho testosterone fueled guys going, oh, "I thought it was great," you know, it's probably fourteen years old, right? And, All right. And again, for the record, we're talking about Star Trek Into Darkness, right? Yes, we are. Okay. If <laughs> have I not been clear? Uh, we understood it had to do with the content of a movie, but I don't think we had mentioned that. Okay. Well, uh, I thought it was clear. Anyway, so Mikey Fizzle uh, says, I don't want to pretend I am for the objectification of women or movies throwing in gratuitous nudity, and here is the inevitable but. But I didn't really think about <laughs> this about this scene in those terms once we, the audience, realized that she was Carol Marcus, Kirk's wife from the original timeline. I was looking for scenes where the two have an attraction that is more than green-tailed aliens that wake up in with the bed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which leads me to my second point. If you are so outraged by gratuitous scenes like this, why not go to town on the scene with Kirk waking up with not one but two females? If I am a woman, I could feel I could feel like it is enforcing the women as commodities mindset when I just told my wife I am reading that movie bite site and there's an article about objectification of women in the new Star Trek. Her response was, oh, when Kirk wakes up with these two women. To wrap up, I do feel that it wasn't the strongest scene in the movie and the strip down wasn't necessary. But I saw a scene trying to help spark the interest of the two characters that will surely get together next film, and upon further examination, think that as men, we should probably let women inform us men what they find objectifying in the movies. And so the first point is to address and say women did have a problem with this. Go read Kayla's article on TrekMovie.com, which will be in the show notes. Uh, but, but, but more to the point, I, I'm not saying that I didn't have a problem just to address Mikey's concern here. I'm not saying that I didn't have some problem on some level with Kirk being in bed with the two alien women, but the context is different. Is it not? Because what we're establishing here is that Kirk has a character flaw. I don't think it's ever been considered a, um, a, a good thing that Kirk is a womanizing kind of guy and that he will sleep with anybody. That's never been a good thing necessarily. Now, it's never been maybe frowned upon as much it's as I would like. It's not always rebuked on screen, it's but not. it's never been applauded. And, and, and the, the, the difference there is, though, though, though the scene also has some issues for me uh, that are not show-stopping issues that keep me from watching the movie. It's not the same thing. Here with Carol Marcus, what bothered me is that the scene made absolutely no sense. It was put in only for the uh, the the value, um, the, the, the viewers that it would communicate to the young 14-year-old males in the audience that would come see the film clearly because that scene was in the trailers. And that's that's the reason why it bothered me. And, and that... That is very much about what what I'm talking about when I talk about the objectification of women. It's when you put a scene like that in a film that has no other purpose. That That's the problem. To me, the scene with Kirk, though, if I were the filmmaker, I probably wouldn't put that scene in my movie. Uh, the scene with Kirk and the two alien women was had a different purpose it was showing um it was it was speaking to a more larger character flaw that Kirk has that's being resolved in this very film. Right, and the mere fact that he would later show attraction for Carol Marcus, and yet you kind of wonder where does he stand with that? Like, does he is he actually genuinely does he admire her, or is he just interested in her for her sex appeal, like he was the the women he was with in bed? You kind of wonder, like, is he actually growing through this, or is this just yet another woman to him? Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. and that 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 
again, I don't know that I'd put that scene in my film, but that that does have a larger role to play than the one with Carol Marcus. Yeah, because by the time we realize that Kirk is attracted to Carol, if we didn't have the other scene to begin with, then we might think that he was just an honest guy who who never objectified women and never you know slept around and was simply looking for the love of his life to be. Exactly. Um, and that he had found her. It was Carol, and it was so obvious and easy to get around to. Uh, we should live forever together and you know be married. Ta-da! You know, it's not supposed to be so easy. And I think that the you're right. It, it, can, it consistently shows that Kirk has a flaw, but unfortunately, the movie doesn't convey either scene very effectively. No, and with that, and I, I, that I that's do more agree with concern. that. I do agree yeah. with that. And I suppose you could say I was jumping on the bandwagon a little bit because I'd seen a few things around about this scene with the, with, with Carol in her underwear. And so, you know, uh, I, I felt, well, this is an appropriate time for me to do and, and to be fair, though, though the comment I read was not overly um, uh, positive – I did get quite a bit of positive feedback about the article as well. So there, so so there. And, and for the record, we don't always uh, talk at great lengths about immodesty in movies and the like. No, not at like, all. Uh, like when the movie Oblivion came up, there was a gratuitous uh, nudity scene, and we didn't really talk much about that in depth, um, though it was relevant to the story and you know, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, and, you, and you it was certainly point. shot in a way to convey the the nudity without showing it. Um, at least I, as, I, as far as I remember. Mm. So you, you're right. And it's not something we normally talk about, but I felt like it was something I wanted to address because it was a larger than just a modesty issue. Right. It like was really an objectification post- of women issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, mm. so I put the, I put the link uh, to this article. If you want to read more in the show notes and to the one that Kayla on trekmovie.com wrote as well. And I pasted those in the chat room for your further reading enjoyment. We probably won't talk about the subject again, but I did just want to address it since it had been such a hot topic. Uh, a little bit of follow up is not a bad thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's not like it's uh, you know, game of Thrones, you know, <laughs> no. sleaziness. It's, you know, it's star Trek nope. people. So, well, you want to talk about something that I'm, uh, I, I, I don't, you know how Merlin will often say on his podcast, you want to talk about something you like, well, I want to talk about <laughs> something that we may not like here. And that is yes. this new trailer for Byzantium. Yeah. I'd be uh, glad to talk about it. Yeah. Let, um, let's do it. Can I quote you? You may, you may quote me. Okay, so here you here are your own words. Hey, look, it's a movie about the Byzantium Empire. Oh, wait, sorry, no that that's not what it, this is. This is a movie about vampires because we haven't had enough of that craze lately. Don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed my share of vampire lore. I really enjoyed Buffy and Angel, and to a lesser extent, quite a bit lesser extent, the the Twilight Saga. So says you. And then you go on to explore this new trailer about a yet another Twilight movie. Uh, <laughs> another <thing>. Twilight movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's in that sort of thing, isn't it? It is. It's yet another vampire move, movie. Yep. There comes a time in life when secrets should be told. You've got secrets, haven't you? Yeah, and so th- that that's a little bit from the trailer there. The, the only reason why I will probably see this trailer in the theater is because of Saoirse Ronan. You mean the only reason you'll see the movie in the theater? Did, what did I say? Tra- I did say trailer, didn't I? I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. I, it, it's one of those things where my brain knows what it wants to say, but my tongue doesn't say what my brain told it to say. It says something else. It's a little bit crazy like that. Understood. You, you, hey, look at that. It has a really pretty looking poster. Huh. So anyway, yeah, the, it's another vampire movie. Why do we need this? So it has two actresses that I like, though. Gemma uh, Arterton and Saoirse Ronan. 
Uh, and so I probably will see it at some point just so that I can uh, – uh, and here's the thing too. Like I haven't seen Saoirse Ronan in any other films, and I want to because I liked her in The Host, right? So Well, and it's a British film too. That's interesting. British-Irish fantasy thriller film. Hmm. Somebody in the chat room asked, are these vegetarians as well? It doesn't look like it to me. <laughs> not, no. not from the trailer. Uh, yeah, although, this is more like that uh, that, that uh, vampire movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt than Twilight lore. Oh, there's one with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? I haven't seen such a thing. Oh, shoot. Uh, it's one of the classics as far as vampire films are concerned. It's, uh, it has a name more that, that has more of a vampire diaries ring to it than uh-huh. Twilight ring to it. What's I the name of it? I just can't remember the name of it. Tom so it, Cruise. It doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, well, so in Byzantium's trailer, it, sh- it shows an elaborate, like, mythology unfold where uh, Saoirse Ronan is one of these vampires. Her mother is Gemma Arterton, apparently. They're 200 years old, maybe a little bit more than 200 years old. And it's all dark and mysterious. It looks like a thriller. It looks like it's set in the UK. And it looks fantastic in terms of cinematic appeal. Oh, Sure. But yeah, it just looks like it's lacking uh, originality because after all, it's vampires and watching them as they suffer through uh, like their drug addiction while they're not drinking or something. I all right. I've, I've sent something to you in our own private little chat bot. Is that the right uh, movie? Interview with the vampire, uh, the Vampire Chronicles, nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah, that, starring yeah, that's Brad it. Pitt, Christian Slater, Virginia. Yeah, Mc- interview Malcolm, with the vampire, John McConnell, Tom Cruise, blah blah blah. All right, I'll put this in the show notes because I didn't know, I was not aware that such a thing existed. It's considered a vampire classic. Yeah, yeah whatever that means. Yeah. Show notes, it's by the way. Very troubling. Show notes, by the way, when this episode is published, will be found at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 46. This is the 46th episode, right? Yes. So your point here, TJ, isn't so much that you're bashing uh, Saoirse Ronan's career nope. or a British film, but you're just not interested in another vampire flick right now? Right. We've worn this genre out completely and totally. <laughs> so, well, to, you you mean like in a few years, maybe it'd be okay. But right now, maybe in it 20, like it's overkill. Maybe in 20 years. <laughs> okay. When you're a grandparent. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Back up. What What do you mean when I'm a grandparent? 20? Well, you know, in 20 years, you're going to uh, be an old It's possible. Man. My son, my oldest son will be 26 in 20 years. So it's possible. Yeah. All right. I just don't want to think about that right now. They could make the film now and they could keep it stashed <laughs> away in the archives and bring it out later. Uh, what are hey, they, why hasn't anyone ever thought about this? Why hasn't anyone can, ever done this? Can I quote you about the Byzantium trailer? Can I quote you? Joe? Yeah. Can yeah. I Can I quote you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the comments on my article posting of this trailer, you said, I'm momentarily reminded of why I'm disappointed in the human race. <laughs> to which I say we end this dismal topic and move on to the next. What do you okay. say? Sure. So Saoirse Ronan has been rumored to possibly I – don't, I don't, it's not even really a rumor. It's more like she wants to play, and so therefore the rumor has started uh, – uh, a character called the Scarlet Witch in the upcoming Avengers 2. Yes, which, by the way, we're talking about the same Saoirse Ronan that also is starring in this Byzantium movie. Yeah, yeah, correct. And who starred in The Host and who I, uh, so far, from what little I've seen of her, really like and, and want to see more of. So yeah, I would she was be, fantastic also in the movie Hannah. Here, here's the thing. Have you heard of The Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver before? I had not heard of them before this announcement from and, Joss. And you're certainly more of a comic book geek than I am. Like, I don't, even, I don't read any comic books. You at least have a little bit of familiarity with that world. 
Well, it's true, but I didn't really ever pay attention to much of the Marvel Universe, expanded universe, and I most certainly didn't know about things like Magneto's kids. So yeah, certainly me either. And and but there's a little bit of a problem here. Like we already know that Joss Whedon has said those those two characters are going to be in the film. What I want to know is how that's going to work because as far as we know, and unless they work it out with 20th Century Fox, they're not going to be allowed. Marvel is not going to be allowed to mention their name, their uh, proper names, or where they came from. That they're related to the X Men universe because 20th Century Fox has the rights to all that stuff, and that's a little bit annoying. That, that, well, that these how two can't get why along. is that? Why do they have the rights to these characters that have never been seen in a movie? Well, before? it was before Marvel Studios existed. That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? How how, well, how does it not make sense? So you're saying that Marvel, which owns all all of these comic book characters, sold the rights to a great number of the superheroes to studios like Sony and uh, 20th Century Fox? At the time, Marvel was just trying to get films made. There was no Marvel Studios. There was no Marvel Cinematic Universe. There was was just Marvel, the comic book maker. So so it just so happens they didn't have – they kept the rights, I mean, for the Hulk and Thor and Captain America and the Scarlet. I think some of them they acquired back. And I think – I'm not sure exactly how it all worked out. Disney plays into this somehow as well because Disney now owns Marvel Studios, blah, blah, blah. So okay, uh, so know, it's a big mess. It is a big mess, and they're trying. I mean, it's it's a wonder. Like, um, there was some character I think maybe the Hulk that they don't own the rights to, and they had to work it out with whatever studio it is that owns that. Do you? I, I'm don't quote me on that because I don't I know never for sure. That. And and huh. I don't. I I hate trying to get too too deep into the studio politics. Like that's such a load of muck that I don't want all over me. <laughs> and, and it doesn't seem to really bother Joss right now. I mean, he's oh, already Joss come right out and care. called them. By those characters, he he didn't yeah, yeah. say, "Well, we got these characters, and they're going to go by their you know uh, alias names." No, he, or something well, he's like that. you know, and he's the creative guy in this. He doesn't care about all that. <laughs> you you think so? <laughs> and and he's got a lot of clout right now. So he's what, what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. You you watch is Joss Whedon is going to write these characters into his movie, and then he's going to say to the producers, "Go and do," and they're going to say, "Yes, sir," because he has a lot of clout right now. He's made a really super successful. Uh, film called you might have heard of it a little little bitty film called The Avengers right you, you probably heard of that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, made it came like out last year one point eight you know billion or something I don't remember <laughs> uh, I'll have to look that up that's at least a billion for every Avenger yeah and so it, he can pretty much do whatever he wants I'm sure that they will work out. Uh, whatever is necessary to to figure this out, but it's it's you know one one thing that's that's frustrating is um okay worldwide has made one point five billion um. It's a little frustrating that all these studios, rather than profiting from one another and benefiting from each other, they want to fight about it because 20th Century Fox has already been like, yeah, we don't want to know about this. So speaking of fighting about it, TJ, there is the other studio, Sony, which is fighting over Spider-Man. Yeah, let's move on to that while we're there. I mean, so yeah, we, there's, we don't really have much to say about the Scarlet Witch. Only that Saoirse Ronan would like to play the Scarlet Witch, and anything that Saoirse wants to do, we're all for. So that's right. And so there's two. There's actually two articles related to this in uh, the show notes. One is a video where Joss Whedon talks about it, and you'll find that interesting. Uh, I'll paste that into the chat bot. Um, all right, so. Uh, the one that you want to talk about is that Sony is uh, going to sell the rights, possibly, as rumored, to Marvel for Spider-Man, which makes right. no sense to me. Really? Because, uh, no, it makes no sense at all because the reason the reason given in this article is because Sony is floundering a bit. They're not doing well. They're, they, they might not be filing for bankruptcy anytime soon, but they could get a good chunk of change for Spider-Man. But that doesn't make sense to me. Like They can get a good chunk of change from making Spider-Man movies. Why would they sell the rights? I don't get it. Well, apparently it's tougher than we think because 
after the first Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man film, it doesn't seem like they're really or they, they've not really been trying to create a sequel. Well, there's one in the works. Didn't you know that? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah. So Sony it's, it's in is production. still going like through well, a, a a sequel. Yet they're talking about selling the rights to. Right. This is why it makes no sense. Spider the Amazing Spider Man two is in is filming. Like I I think filming might even be no no no. It's still filming. Yeah yeah. Okay. So the, it, they're they are shooting. They're putting on film this movie right now. So it makes no sense for this Dude. this rumor. I don't think this rumor is true. I don't think there's anything to it. Well, it would be nice if Spider-Man could make an appearance with the Avengers. And see, I, I completely disagree. I, I'm even a little bit skeptical about this whole Scarlet Witch Quicksilver need- thing, but I certainly don't want more Avengers. Like, if you bring in bad guys, sure. But why would we bring in more Avengers? We, uh, we have our core cast. We loved them from the last film. Let's let's dig in deep and dive into those guys. Let's not well, bring in a new Avenger. Well, that's kind of like saying that with Star Wars and New Hope, we, we were done and we didn't need any new characters like... <sighs> um. Well, I'm thinking about it. The only new character that was ever introduced Lando. in the original trilogy was Lando. Right. And he's cool, but it's not like we had to have him. No. I, see, that's the thing. I think with we already have a pretty big ensemble cast. You're right. We do have Why a Why do we want to cast. make the ensemble bigger and make it more of a problem to tell the story? Well, I could see if you wanted one of the characters or two of the characters along the way to die off. You know, like give them a good death scene every now and then. You want a good death scene, right, TJ? Don't kill me. Don't kill me, man. Maybe an origin story too. I guess. Maybe and maybe yet another franchise. Okay. Maybe they get their start M- in an Avengers you know, movie, Joe, and then they get a spinoff. Possibly, what I'm fighting here is the fact that I don't like the reboot of Spider-Man whatsoever. Ah. Uh, At all, really? and maybe 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 in the back of my head, maybe not even consciously, but subconsciously, my 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 defensive reflexes have flared up to fight this off. We, I don't want Mark Webb's Spider-Man in my Avengers. I yuck. Ooh, go away. <laughs> I think well, that may be what it is. You won't have to worry about it. If they don't get the rights, I wouldn't be surprised if even Joss is a little bit apprehensive to it. Well, and Spider-Man, I, I liked, I liked the original trilogy. I know that most people hated the third film. I didn't think it was as good, but I didn't hate it. But I don't see how he could contribute to the Avengers. I don't know. I don't that's, know. That's kind of weird. I mean, you heard Joss. One of the complaints he has about all of the characters he had in the first Avengers film is that each one of the superheroes just outdoes each other with, like, muscular strength. They don't have many other superpowers. The one guy can kick and punch really great, and then so can the next guy and the next guy. But with um, characters like, uh, you know, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch – He's trying to introduce characters with a variety of superpowers. No, no, so I, I get that. Interesting things. I get that. So the same thing goes for Spider-Man too, right? I mean, he's got interesting powers. No one ever tires of seeing him use his spidey sense and his quick wit where, mm. you know, that makes more sense with his character than some. Okay. I just think they run the chance of diluting the thing. That, that's all. I, I want to focus You're on the right. characters. Like that's what Joss is good at is focusing on the characters and the well, character moments and the character development. Don't dilute it. Don't so dilute do you, it. So do you think that we should expect to see more of Agent Coulson in the sequel, given that he just died in the other movie and he's getting a <laughs> spinoff TV show? Yeah, um, I think we will see Agent Coulson or he'll at least be referenced, but he'll certainly, as we already know, he'll be in the Marvel Universe in the TV show. So oh, in, I haven't in given Agents that much Shield. thought, but after he just died really well, I'd hate to see him come back to the movie. But I'd why? Li- I like- mean, it doesn't matter whether he comes back in the movie or the, or the uh, cinematic universe uh, in form of TV. He's alive. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, it's already like negated. Notion. 
But I like the notion that he's involved in the television show's saga, which doesn't have to do with characters like Captain America. Um, so maybe he's like in a different division and he's taking over a different, like he's on the West Coast and um, Dr. Dumuch or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Frank and Eyeball. Uh, what is his name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, Samuel Jackson. Oh. We'll call him Samuel Jackson. <laughs> that maybe, guy. Maybe Nick he's Fury. Just, yeah, Nick Fury. Thanks. Maybe he's just watching the East Coast and, you know, uh, Coulson's on the West Coast or something. Well, I just had a thought. Like, what if it's something that the Avengers are going to have to deal with, uh, the betrayal of Nick Fury telling them that uh, Coulson was dead and yet here he is well and good and alive and, and that sort of betrayal of trust? That could be interesting for them to deal with. Eh, yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. I guess, it, I guess it's something to work with. Yeah. All right, shall we move on? We've belabored this topic long enough and we have other things to talk about tonight. Yeah. There's always too much stuff about superheroes. No, never. Never too much. Okay. Man so is the guy who's never read a comic book in his life. You, dude, dude, that is so uncool. You interrupted my, uh, my great segue. You just, you just blew it. You totally just walked all over me, man. What is up with you? Oh, uh, okay. Well, own it then. Here. All right. I'll give you another chance. Okay. Take two. Go for it. Man faces charges for throwing theater patrons phone. You know, it, it, this is one of those stories that I felt really conflicted about, right? Like, this guy should not have taken that woman's phone and thrown it across the room. That's a really expensive phone probably, right? But she shouldn't have been texting in the theater and, and – okay, uh, let me read this. The lady seated to my right uh, – blah, blah, blah. the lady seated immediately to my right, very close quarters on bench seating, was fairly insistent using her phone. I asked her to turn it off. She answered, well, don't look. I asked her whether I had missed something during the very pointed announcements to please turn off your phones, perhaps a special exemption granted for her. She suggested that I should mind my own business. So I minded my own business by utilizing my famously feline agility to deftly snatch the phone out of her hand and toss it across the room where it could do no more damage. She slapped me and stormed away to seek managerial succor. Eventually, I was visited by a black-suited agent of order who asked whether he might have a word. So, so this was reported by the writer over there at the National Review Online, Kevin Williamson. He uh-huh. was the, he experienced this firsthand. I, I guess I, that was a little nebulous to me. Like, was it was it a personal Kevin? account or was he relating someone else's account? Right, and it, there's no indication that it is otherwise. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Although he certainly, uh, I don't know if I would want my crime in writing like that if I had done this. But hmm. there you go. Uh, he, he did. <laughs> well, TJ, we should talk about this because we've talked about it before, but we've never get talked about it a solution. Okay, for, first was, of all, first of all, yeah. if you text or use your phone in a theater, I shame can, on you. Stop listening to this podcast right now. Put it, put it down. Put your iPad, your your iPhone, or your iPod, or whatever you're listening to this podcast on. Turn it off. Put it down right now, and never listen to the show again. You are an evil, wicked person. Uh, okay i feel better <clears throat> and if you also text while you're listening to the podcast shame on you for that too no, that, that's okay because they're probably in the privacy of their own home whatever they do i don't care but <sighs> what i do care about is if they're disrupting the theater experience uh and and making things difficult for everyone else like i've been in theaters where the person next to me was texting 
and and I'm and this you know and the screen's bright and glaring and the, the maybe they didn't even silence their phone. I did, can hear. Did the, they did not whoop. see the video at the beginning during the trailers that says, "Please, everyone, turn off all of your electronic devices. Oh, no, no, no one has any business using their devices while during watching the film." Joe, oh. Joe, 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 they're exempt. They're exempt from that, dude. Come on, don't yeah. you? Yeah, know? just ignore whatever's up on screen. No, so. Uh, yeah, the the point here is I get where this guy's frustration comes from. Uh, even even just don't uh, we like, all? Yeah, Doesn't I everybody I've to do hit it before. the guy that's on the phone except for the guy who's on the phone. Right, but at the same time, he should not have done what he did. Now it just makes those of us who are take this position that you, that you should not oh, do this no, look TJ, like jerks. I'm, I'm on the guy's side. I'm on Kevin Williamson's side. <sighs> I think that he should not have been thrown out. I think that the woman should have been thrown out. I think because, they both should have been thrown out. Because the theater already has a policy. Please do not use your electronic devices. They never said, please leave people alone that have electronic devices. <laughs> and two, the guy essentially gave her a fair warning. Two, he didn't slap her. She slapped him. But it was destruction of her property, like throwing an expensive phone across the room. That legally speaking, that the law would have been more on her side and right. more willing to press charges against him. But here, here's the thing: I, I've been thinking about this for a while. Like, I wish I had some way to start my own theater and to make you know and to get it successful right away. But but what? Because what I would do, I would have a no tolerance policy, like exactly. no tolerance. And and it would be, you know what? This is the thing: it would be disruptive at first because people would not believe it. Like no no because no theater enforces as it is anyway. Hey, but some people would love you. But, a lot of people probably would have right. another desire to revisit a movie theater if they knew that there would not be interruptions. Absolutely. Like I I think that it would be. Disruptive disruptive for the first month while you got your reputation that yes we will escort you we will walk across the, the aisle wherever you were at and escort you out our security guys in the black suits will escort you out of the theater and you you'd will not be welcome again you'd get a lot of good press for your movie theater and so yeah it's going to be disruptive for while you're establishing your um your credibility in this area but eventually you'll get to a point where that just doesn't happen in your theater and your patrons will thank you for it I've always wanted to try it. Then it's like, that would be so great, right? Why yeah, can't, I mean, like, well, think about it like this, too. I was talking about it with Michael Minkoff today, and I was like, hey, dude, why can't they just have like a standard policy like the airlines do? When you're taking off and you're landing, no electronic devices, no, no, no. And then the stewardesses walk up and down the aisle, and they make sure that no one is. Why can't they do that in a the theater? It'd be less disruptive if one of the, you know, um, what do you call it? Just, uh, I guess they call them stewardesses there too, but whomever works at the theater would just check up and down the aisles when the movie is beginning and the movie is ending and maybe once in the midtime, you know, to see if there's anybody texting or whatever and enforce a policy. Sorry, no, shut it off or get out of here because everybody has spent their hard earned money to enjoy the theater minus interruptions from texts and voicemails and phone calls and buzzes and people talking and not just the people talking TJ on their phones, but also the people that are simply chatting up a storm a few rows behind you. Oh yeah. That's the worst. I uh, when I I think I mentioned this on the episode where we reviewed the, the policy. Call. Yeah, the the policy should be silence is golden. Everything else is trash. Yeah, I, I think I talked about this on the episode where we reviewed the movie The Call, and this woman in front of me would not shut up, and she was talking to the movie and about the movie and to her friend about the movie, but she was so loud and obnoxious. So obnoxiousness in any form. I mean, come on, we live in such a rude age. Like seriously, I see people do stuff all the time. It's like. Why are you being so rude? Do, do, do you does our 
does our generation just simply not have yeah. manners? Man, it's ugh. This is a pet peeve of mine. We got to we got to move on because this is this is straying off the topic of movies. But you know, I you think eventually there will I'm have to be a solution. About. Somebody's going to have to introduce a solution. I think that it's inevitable. If the movie theaters want to stay in business, they'll do anything to try and get more uh, patrons. And I think that this is something that uh, they're going to have to pay attention to because more and more people are really, really ticked about this. Yeah. By the way, you, I just wanted to mention, you mentioned movieology. I mean, sorry, you mentioned Michael Minkoff, and uh, he does a show on our network, uh, Movie Byte, called Movieology. I'll put that link in the show notes for those who don't know. We have acquired quite a few new listeners lately. So, Sweet. Uh, anyway, so that, that link is in the show notes. The link for this article is also in the show notes. Man faces charges for throwing theater patrons' phone. Uh, you can read all about that. Joe, shall we talk about the, the film Epic? Shall we do that? Yes, it's high time. Now, you're not talking about a movie that is an epic. You're talking about the movie Epic? That, that's right. The movie Epic. Whoa. That music tells me absolutely nothing. What are you playing, TJ? Well, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm seeing birds flying through the air. I'm seeing a guy with a strange headgear. Hmm. It's like He's you're watching something. He's looking at a something. bird with a saddle on its back. A hummingbird with a saddle on its back. Yeah. This is theater of the mind, so I have to explain it to you. Yeah, I have to say, and the reason I'm playing this trailer, Mark, come out. This is a tra- this is a trailer for the film that we're about to talk about, Epic. And I, I I have to say, I was not at all excited about this film or looking forward to it. I did not want to see it. The only I have to tell you, the only reason that we're reviewing it this week is because there was nothing better to review. What were we gonna do? Fast six? Ugh. No. no. I, I, while, while we're talking about Fast 6, real quick, um, I did want to say I think I'm going to see it this weekend just because I've gotten so much flack for uh, panning it and dissing it without having seen it. So I want, oh, to have a, I want to have an informed opinion. So I'm going to see it just oh, so I can people. say, guys, I've seen it, and it's still horrible. I still have the same opinion. I, I, will, I will happily change my mind if it's different. I know plenty of people but, that felt comfortable panning the lost TV show after third season. And they and they were completely valid, you yeah. know. Come on. So anyway, uh, so epic. I, I the only reason that we're reviewing it this week is because I was not at all pulled in by the promotional materials. There wasn't a lot of promotional materials. The trailer didn't do anything for me. It was a pretty lackluster campaign. A, yeah, right? in a manner of speaking, it just kind of blended into all the other trailers when you're watching them ahead of the other film. You know, it's just like, what is this? Oh, it's a kids movie, huh? By the creators of Ice Age. <gasps> oh yeah, that, yawn, that was. That, oh yeah, that, that was a big thing for me. Like when I saw it was by the creators of Ice Age, I said, I'm not going to go see this movie. Yuck. Huh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but so you've seen ice age right you shouldn't pan ice Age. i have not and i have no intention of doing so <laughs> i've seen the trailers that's enough for me uh no but 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 that's the thing maybe i should because i was shocked at how good this film was like after seeing the lackluster campaign and the promotional materials and the trailers and thinking oh this is not gonna be any good well even and, dreamworks have their you know how to train a dragon everybody uh, has their day we talked about this earlier, Joe. This is not a DreamWorks film. You thought it was. You're right. It's no, I'm, I'm just saying comparison. This was from 20th Century Fox. I'm just saying anybody can surprise you. Okay. Well, this film was made on a budget of $100 million. Uh, the opening weekend was $33.5 million. The total worldwide gross as of right now is $85.7 million. So, and it opened up on May 24th, so they're almost broken even now. Yeah, they're, they're getting there. It's I think this weekend will push it over the edge, although it's going to have some stiff competition with some things coming up. There's two movies being released this weekend. Uh, oh? 
Oh yeah, for for the kids, for families. No, not for families. That's the thing. So it may do okay. It's, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. I think it'll. I think it'll have longevity, kind of like uh, the Crunks or whatever it was called. The Crudes. Uh, the Crudes. Thank you. I, I I think I've missed my window of opportunity. I I was pretty sure that wasn't going to be any good either. But then, man, it's made so much money. I wanted to go see yeah. it and just weigh in on it and say, is it is it any good? I never got a chance to. So. I'll have yeah, to wait I for think the theaters now. like to give um, the animated films more weeks in theaters whenever they can. And yeah, but this thing a- surged like first weekend. It made huge amounts of money. It was crazy. Yes, yes. It, it was kind of peculiar. Um, I, I thought so as well. Of course, maybe some of the voice talents have something to do with it. Could I don't be. Know. I mean, Nick Cage was, I know, uh, Emma Stone. Beyonce. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're Colin talking about, no, which one are you talking about now? Uh, I'm talking about Epic. Okay, I'm sorry. I, still, I, I was still talking about, the, I was still talking about the Croods. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this one has uh, Beyonce, Colin Farrell, Josh Hutcherson, Amanda Seaf- uh, Seafried. Is that how you say that? Seafried. Seafried? Seif- no, no, no. Sorry. You're, now you're throwing me off. It's Seafried. Okay, Seafried? Okay. I've never yes. actually heard that name pronounced. Okay, and Christoph Waltz, who was uh, – the role was uh, relatively amazing. minor, but he, uh, he's always amazing. I loved his voice work here. So, And uh, Steven Tyler. Music by Danny Elfman. Uh, so, Yeah, who knew, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so, Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit about the plot of this film? Yes. Okay, I'd be glad to. Here's a gist of the story, um, just, just like the setup. Mary Catherine, a.k.a. MK, played by Amanda Seyfried's voice, is a 17-year-old daughter visiting her estranged and eccentric scientist father, Professor Bomba, played by Jason uh, Sudikai? Sudikas? <laughs> no. Sudikas? I'm looking at that word going, I'm glad it's you, not me. <laughs> People with names such as these ought to change them when they start a Hollywood career. Agreed. Um, who she has, has been, an awesome name like T.J. Draper. Yes. Yeah, sure. Sounds like you belong in Mad Men. Um, <laughs> so, Professor Bomba. Uh, okay, let me back up. Mary Catherine is going to spend time with her estranged father, Professor Bomba, who has been searching for tiny human soldiers, about which M.K. is skeptical. Little does M.K. and Professor Bomba know about the complexities of the little people's world. These little people live in the forest. That uh, Bomba is researching. The queen of these little forest people, Queen Tara, played by Beyonce, is implied to have a romantic connection with another guy named Ronan, the leader of her troops called Leafman. Tara decides to choose an heir to her throne and goes out to find in the field of leaf pods, a leaf pod guarded by a laid back slug named Mug or Mub and his uptight snail named Grub. And if you haven't caught on by now, this is totally a kid's flick. Kid. Oh, totally. Completely. So, yeah. This is, uh, this is out there. Tara's enemies, the Boggins, attack, led by Mandrake, the Christoph Boggins. Waltz. Yes. Led by Christoph Waltz, the Boggins are out to destroy Tara and her magical powers that give life to the forest. Tara flees exposure from the forest with a pod and... Though her bodyguards do their best to protect her, they are soon overwhelmed by the sheer numbers of Boggins. By sheer coincidence, M.K. sees uh, Queen Tara falling to her death. A dying Tara gives M.K. the pod and uses her magic to shrink M.K. And uh, Tara tells M.K. to take the pod to a glowworm named Nim Galoo, played by Steven Tyler, before she dies. After meeting Ronan, the leader of the Leafmen, along with Mub and Grub, a confused and scared MK <laughs> joins. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, a confused and scared MK joins them in the wild adventure to stop Mandrake and his boggins. <laughs> 
this was apparently based on a children's story that was uh, written. I, I read that on uh, Wikipedia. Oh, and source of all knowledge. Yes. If it was based on a kid's book, it makes a lot more sense hmm. if you put it in the, that context. Well, Joe, I, I really, really, really loved this film. I mean, for, for what it was and for especially – maybe it's the power of low expectations going into the theater. But I yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed myself for the, uh, watching this film. Thoroughly and completely enjoyed myself. Wow. That's that's saying a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it – it, it, what do you, do you mean? Did you feel like that you, know, you were returning to your childhood or what? No, not at all. And this is the thing. Like I remember – and I guess one of the other things that stuck in my mind when I well, I saw the trailers and the promotion, I was like, oh, it's another Fern Gully. It's, an, you know, it's another Avatar. There's going to be some sort of a agenda to this film and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you th- – oh, we got to save the forest and the trees and it's going to beat me over the head with the message. Not that these are necessarily bad things, but they're going to take the message and they're going to beat me over the head with it and, and club me and, – yeah, this movie didn't do that. Not at all. I, I was yeah. I was completely and uh, knocked off my feet that it didn't sit here and club me with an environmental message. Hmm. But did you did you do you feel differently? I, I I agree that it was a pleasant surprise that they didn't reduce it to an environmentalist message. You're yeah. right. It, 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 instead, it was just a good fun story. You know, I, I can't even. I'm I'm sure. You know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Michael Minkoff and Eric Rauch do. Uh, movieology and uh i'm sure they could find the allegories and the things in there that are either good or bad but i didn't i didn't sense anything like that like they were trying to equate the thing to this thing and it was just a fun story right well in keeping with films and stories that are just fun for the sake of being fun this is like a child um hmm. i was thinking about it i was like what is this it's like a the equivalent of a chick flick for little girls only it's an adventure so that the little boys could appreciate it too. And, it, it, and when I say chick flick, I don't mean like, you know, a romantic story and just mean it's a story for little girls, you know, and, and it's right up there. It reminds me of films like Alice in Wonderland with a little girl that shrinks down and has to uh, get familiar with all kinds of strange people, even a caterpillar who is sought out for interesting amounts of peculiar wisdom um, it also reminds me of Tangled because of the relationship of MK to the uh, teenage soldier Nod and how they get along. And Nod is sort of like a lesser version of Flynn Rider and the way that they relate to each other and they journey together some of the time is like the relationship of you know Rapunzel and Flynn and Tangled. It also strikes me as borrowing some inspiration from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, a quirky father who is somewhat yeah. uh, despised by his kids. That was the and, only one that I picked up on. You, all, all those you've mentioned, I wasn't, I, I wasn't particularly drawn to say, oh, they, it was like that and that and that. Yeah. Uh, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, certainly there is a little inspiration there, definitely. Yeah. You know, riding, uh, in, you, know, you know, living alongside of insects and um, – you know, traveling through the trees and whatever. Which, man, uh, you reminded me of a movie I want to see. It's been a long time. I thought about the movie in forever. I need to watch that again. That was a great movie. At least I remember it so as, yeah, as, I remember it being a great movie as a kid, I should say. Yeah, I saw it about three years ago, and I was surprised. It's, it held up? It's still pretty fun. All right, that's a side topic. We should talk about that sometime. Huh. And then it also kind of reminds me of A Bug's Life in how just <clears throat> extreme the villains are and how much they want to just dominate the plants, the trees, the forest. Oh my, they're this big and bag little creatures, you know. And yeah. um, birds are used in uh, this film differently than they are in A Bug's Life, but they both play a significant role with the birds. And 
then the, you know they're using the environments right in a bug's life they try to keep it a little bit more realistic and they don't involve magic like they involve in uh epic there's a lot of magic that they use to yeah. as ex machina every you know left and right all kinds of different things that they want to get away with um but still there's a lot of corollary with how many characters are bugs or plant life and then uh the princess bride i saw corollary there though it's not as much where it feels like it felt like Epic has a similar adventure quality tone to it. Yeah, to, I suppose. To Princess Bride. So I, I didn't um, see any of these connections. It tries, to, it tries to involve some quick wit. It tries to make fun of itself. It parodies different kinds of characters, like the, the Toad, right? The Toad in Epic is some sort of like gangsta. And so, yeah, he was great. Yeah, and then he ends up having to do some like, you know, um, he, ha- he has to do some dirty work for the head macho bad guy who has lots and lots of soldiers and forces at his a disposal to wipe out everybody, including the gangsters. So the Toad cooperates and things like that kind of hearkened to various kinds of relationships in The Princess Bride. And lastly, I even see some corollary between the movie, you know, Disney's Aladdin and Epic just in the use of magic in general the the way in which magic is um used throughout in a variety of of ways um you know it doesn't always make sense it's like magic out of nothing and uh you're not supposed to spend much time thinking about how this is supposed to work it's just a kid's film right so in, enjoy the ride you know that's that's the kind of feel so, so Joe, I didn't get that same sense that you got with with the derivative nature of the work. Did did, did that take you out of the film? Did that bother you? Did you wish no, it wasn't? No, I, no. I, uh, when I was watching it, uh, it, it occurred to me that most of the qualities that reminded me of these other films were some of my favorite qualities. That you know, I was like, hey, that 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 reminds me of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in a good way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because my my thought was even even so, like le- like even if I had seen those, I don't think it would have bothered me because. To some extent, all all good stories are derivative, right? There's, yeah. I, I I'm very much is a remix. Yeah, I'm I'm very much of the opinion that, uh, and so many people disagree with this. But good stories, good stories are derivative because there are only a certain number of types of threads that make good stories. There there are lots and lots of things that don't make good stories. But in order to have a good story, you're going to have certain elements, uh, and so. That doesn't bother me. Even though I didn't see the connections that you're seeing, if I had, it wouldn't have bothered me. Mm. Okay, well, you want to talk about some of the more specifics, something that you liked. What was it that was striking about you? Like, how, I mean, like, we talk a lot about the generalities because it seems to be easy. Like, that's what's on our mind. After we've, after it's been a few days since we saw a film, I think it's easier as we critics like see way too much to uh, get lost in the generalities. I mean, how would we characterize this film? How how would you be specific? Well, I wanted to talk about the name first of all, um, because sure. because the name it, it it's oh man, I would never ever ever name my film Epic. That is such a hard name to live up to, right? Why would Agreed. you Why would you name your film Epic? Only be- a kids' film because you might you're inviting people. To have so much bad to say about this, and I wonder if that's not where, like, I, every stinking single article I have read about this that didn't like the film, the very first thing they say was, this film did not live up to its name. And, and, <laughs> and even I talked about it in my review that I just published earlier today. I did talk about it, but I like the film, and so I actually caught on to something a little bit that I don't think many people have caught on to. 
and that is that this title is having fun with the concept of the film. Epic. What what does epic mean, Joe? What is what is epic? <laughs> I guess I don't know anymore after watching the movie, frankly. No, no, okay. But 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 what does the word epic mean? I'm looking it up. Okay. I'll tell I'll you. I'll, get this I'll, right. I'll, I'm a long gonna... poem. Tip <laughs> Okay, no, 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 no. When you think that's of something the dictionary that's dictionary begins with its definition. When you think of something that's epic, you think of something that's big in scope, right? Or or, or big. It's associated with big bigness, right? Yeah, well, the third definition in the list I have here is a long film, book, or other work portraying heroic deeds and adventures or covering an extended period of time. So big. But it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a play on that because these characters are not big. It's, it's uh, epic proportions to, for the little people. Right. So, so, so I, I thought that what they were doing is they, they were having fun with the whole concept of these are little people, but it's, you know, it's epic. It seems like a big deal. The movie makes it out to be like, it's the end of the world for these little people, the size of insects. Right. So, yeah, I, I, that, I, I think that most people kind of miss that. Did you notice that when characters die in the movie, you feel just as bad about these little people the size of grasshoppers dying as you would a character in a, a sophisticated live-action adventure film because the movie itself give, uh, gives itself so much meaning that, oh, no, these people are dying. Don't let the queen die. No. Yeah, you know, it's like well, it's a big deal to the characters. So it, it, size matters not. <laughs> not yeah, no, I agree. And and that's the thing. Like even when, when – uh, Spoiler alert, when when the queen uh, – okay, again, spoiler alert. When the queen dies, um, you, you go, oh, man, that, that's kind of like a punch in the gut. Wow, they, they really knew how to pull that emotional string really well. And not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, oh, they're manipulating my emotions and I felt manipulated, therefore I hated it. No, it wasn't that at all. It, but it was, it was gut-wrenching, right? Like, wow, they, they, they really did a good job with that. Well, they made her out to be a little bit too much of a paragon of virtue that I kind of suspected it by that time. You, you well, no, I, I, I knew it was coming. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I, I just assumed something bad is going to happen to her because she's way too sweet and perfect. Yeah. Anybody perfect has to die. That's the way it seems. So. Even in a Star Trek film. <laughs> We're not well, talking okay, about Star Trek. You have to talk about something you liked, and I, I agree with you completely from your written review. This movie has a lot of landscape. It has a lot of scope. You oh, see a lot of the great outdoors, forests, beautiful. valleys, you know, creek beds, uh, you name it. You see the inside of trees. You see the inside of little worlds that the little people created. All right, now, you see all kinds of creatures and plant life and insects and all kinds of zany uh, tools that they use. And not just the outdoor stuff, but you also have this well-made interior for the home of Professor Bomba. And for a guy who has practically nothing to him except that he is an extremely nerdy scientist who lives out all by himself in the boonies, that guy has a fantastically intriguing, eccentric house. Oh, yeah. Like, everything in the movie has stunning visuals it's so complex. There's these things going on in the background. You're wondering, what is that? What is that thing up in test tubes? It looks like he's – did he like pickle a, 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 you know, a salamander? You know, what, what is that? <laughs> it, you just wonder what's going on. There's all these interesting layers upon layers of things in the background that they never even explore. It's like, it's like episode one of Star Wars <laughs> no, or no, 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 The no. Little People. 
let's let's not go there. But I, I wonder, <laughs> did did you have the same experience that I had? And you, it might not, it, you might not have because you saw it in three D and I saw it in two D. But there were a number of shots where there, like it, whether it was panning in the forest and there wasn't a lot of live creatures, or either that or they were off in the distance and you couldn't really tell. That felt like real shots like there, there was a camera in the woods oh yeah almost not quite but almost like if like, the funky wow. looking slug with human like eyeballs and a mouth weren't on screen talking right now then everything in the shot would look perfectly photorealistic exactly and and so so they actually even though the technology to make this look photo real is there they and they did in a number of ways. They they did probably even go out of their way a little to make sure you understand this is a cartoon. This slug he he's not real. He has this animated you know eyeballs. Yeah, qualities. He moves faster than a real slug. Yeah, exactly. So so I but but yes, this film was very beautifully animated, and the attention to detail in the animation is astounding. It's it's incredibly good. Save for the creative is how many characters there were. It has all kinds of characters, and they flesh out most of them, which isn't something that even I think How to Train Your Dragon did very effectively. That, um, in general, the characters are likable. You know, they're okay. I, you know, I wouldn't want a whole movie about the slugs. Uh, but, you know, the, the movie has an ensemble cast. There's quite a bit of um, good guys. Um, there, And then there's even a few, not many, but there's a few bad guys you get to know and so it has that going for it, right? Because, you know, most kids' movies don't seem to have this many layers of characters with all different kinds of walks of life. Like there might be this uh, kid in the crowd, a flower girl, <laughs> who in, in the beginning of the movie has a quick line. And you think, well, that's the, that's the only thing that she's going to get to do. You know, she's just got this little small line. She's a girl in the crowd. You're not going to see her again. It turns out she, that, that girl keeps popping up. And you're thinking, oh, okay, well, that's funny. And then it turns out that a, that kid actually has something to do in the entire movie. And it's like, oh, okay, that char- character actually even had a story arc. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind if we talk about that for a minute, though? About that particular character? Or yeah, character and, and the whole development of that character and how it came about. I do not mind. Go right for it. Okay, so th- th- this kind of swings around to a dislike I had for the film. Oh. And that is that I didn't. I know it's animated. I know it's a kid's movie and I know it doesn't always have to make sense, but that made absolutely no sense to me. Like I thought that they made it out like this pod was the life, right? It was. And by the way, we've already called spoiler alert, but just in case you need to know again, this is a spoiler alert for the plot of this film. Yeah, the queen has a magical pod that she supposedly will use to continue to maintain growth and life for everybody in the forest. Well, and they kept talking about the life that would spring from the pod. And if it bloomed in in the darkness, then the life that sprang from it would be evil. Right. But no life sprang from it. it. Instead, it like endowed somebody else with the power. Like, I didn't get it. It was weird. For for the heroes, they would use the pod to – the pod would be infused with magic that would then choose their next queen. But if the bad guys used it, the pot itself would bring about rot and destroy all living things that it were that it, it could reach out to. Yeah, yeah, it was a little odd. But yeah, and it wasn't like it was going to replace the super. Well, I don't want to call them super villain. It wouldn't replace the Mandrake. It wasn't like it was going to usurp his existence and choose a new evil leader. It wasn't going to do that for them. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that irrational quandary. You know, and and since, since we're talking about dislikes, uh, and we'll swing back around to likes and end on a positive note, I think. But since we're talking about dislikes, we'll talk about this as well. You, you 
seemed to like the fact that the characters were well fleshed out. I, on the other hand, didn't feel like the characters were always all that well fleshed out. Oh, 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 well, let me clarify. I don't think that there was, they were not well fleshed out. Like, think about it. Um, Going back to the Avengers, the Hulk and Dr. Banner or whatever his name is and the Avengers, he's present a lot in the movie, but he actually doesn't get fleshed out in the movie, the Avengers. Mm. He's present. He has a participating role, but he's not fleshed out. And I will agree with you that that was a disappointment that there was, they had too many distractions in this movie to actually give the main characters enough character development before the end of the film. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think the, the worst offender here is not who starts out. You think he's going to go on this character journey, right? Like he starts out as this rebellious teenager. He leaves the leaf men and he's rebellious and everything. And you think, oh, well, he's going to learn a lesson or two. He learned absolutely nothing. He just happened to come back on board when he was needed. And he, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll help fight the bad guy. And and he never really learned anything. He never went on a journey. He never had any growth of any kind. Yeah. I, I, I was really frustrated by that, that aspect. And that, that uh, even, though, um, even though I rated the film highly, that brought it down from what could have been a higher rating, I think. You know, and, and, and this seems to be more common with kids' movies today than, well, movies in general today, that it seems like character development is downplayed while uh, heavy doses of action um, just are what we use to try and keep people's attention and to keep up a hype and keep up a, you know, uh, to, I don't know. Why and, are and, they doing it, And TJ? you would think, right, wouldn't you, that, that they would want – that, that you as a parent would want your children to get into good character development in the characters of the films that they watch. I mean, you yeah, the most the story and, and, I mean, and see how a kid grows up in the story. Yeah. I mean, even in the, the original wizard of, uh, of Oz and Alice in Wonderland, there was more character development than there is in this movie. Yeah. I mean, as a father, wouldn't, isn't that what you more want Reese and Jude to be drawn to and to learn from? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not imperative that there be some fabulous moral to the story. No, in the I'm movie, not saying but that. Some of my favorite films for families have fantastic characters that I feel are very believable because they give them lots of time to character develop. Yeah. So anyway, that, yeah, that I mean, was, that I was mean, a frustration. Like, think about a, I mean, you can still have lots of action and comical characters and ensemble stories like, uh, you know, toy stories. You know, movies like that, yeah. and they can pull it off. I think that Toy Story 3 doesn't do it as well as the first two films, you're, but you're you still crazy. have a fantastic... You're nuts. Sorry. I'm just saying that character development isn't as uh, effective in Toy Story 3, yeah, apart from the the two films that preceded it. I could not. I could not possibly disagree with you more, but this is not about Toy mm-hmm. Story, so... <clears throat> Um, and then, then the other thing that was mentioned a little, you touched on it and I said we'd talk about it later, so let's talk about it. And that is this whole thing. What, what was it you read in that little thing about MK? How she was frightened and, and overwhelmed. Yeah, and confused and scared and confused while she's scared. joining the wild people. She was age. nothing of the sort. And this seems so odd to me. Let, let yeah, me, she's a teenage girl. She totally disbelieves her father's career, didn't even know it existed, that he was pursuing these little people. She didn't believe it was true. Yeah, and, and then, then she the next, just falls for the right next in. moment, it's like, oh, I'm watching a little itty bitty person dying, and a, and a magical orb is glowing in my face. Let, let me and- read a sentence here from my review <laughs> that I think sums this up wonderfully. I, I wrote it obviously, so I think it's good. Um, <laughs> the motivations are a tad flimsy, and it is not established by M. Uh, mm, I made a mistake. I need to go correct that. The motivations are a tad bit flimsy, and it is not established why MK is not freaking the heck out by being shrunk instead of mostly just going along with it as she does. 
Yeah, and I mean, even when her life is threatened ten times over, she's thrown around on a uh, wild chases, uh, you know, riding a, the back of a, bir- a wild bird, and and everybody's th- shooting arrows, and uh, it's all kinds of zaniness. But she seems like, oh, no, cool, uh-huh, this sure, is unpleasant. But I hey, should get back get home, maybe. Right. It's like it's like she's on a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I'll scream as long as I'm on the roller coaster ride. When is it over? Yeah, woohoo! That was fun. Yep. Yeah, and but, nothing like Tangled. Going back to Tangled again, right? Because Rapunzel was genuinely freaked out when she tried to leave her mother's castle or you know tower. Yeah. And, and so if it, they make it very elaborate and they make it funny. How scared Rapunzel is by the outside world when she hadn't encountered any magic or any villains or anything bad to begin with. She was already freaking out when she was just touching the grass. And in contrast, this teenager who doesn't understand anything about the world she's uh, now living in, uh, just is like, oh, wow, this is fun. So this is what my dad has been studying. <laughs> Interesting. Now what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's all the negativity I have. Do you have any other negativity <laughs> for, the, for the movie? Um, let me see here. I got some notes. Um, dislikes. I have two written here. The bad guys are a little too scary for kids under six, in my opinion. Yeah, whatever. I, and I and that took me by surprise because, uh, you know, I thought they just got a little bit too crazy. Like these were the equivalent of orcs for, you know, little kids. And, you know, little, little kids, like I, I think my son, for, who is four, he would have probably been freaked out about them because of their intensity throughout the entire film. And when they are able to fire arrows, they kill people. And they're able to fire arrows a lot and uh they destroy property they kill good guys uh everything for the good guys is at stake we're talking about death star proportions here like everybody's gonna die you know and so that's kind of intense for a little kid i think um the, the that and, I, and one again i guess it's not really important that we put an age range on it and say well this movie should have been appropriate for three-year-olds i'm not saying that i'm just saying it took me by surprise because I actually thought it made sense this film would be appropriate for kids under the age of six, considering how much my kids watch things like My Little Pony and stuff. Oh, so, Joe, we have to talk you know. about this. Oh my goodness! My hey, it's pony. not my it's not my tastes. It's my six year old. So <sighs> okay. Well, and I have the, the, the one well, other I, before you move on. Though, okay, before we move on, I, I have um, uh, four children. One is uh, only a couple months old, so she doesn't really count in terms of my thinking about whether she would see a film or yet or not. But I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. The, the, the four and the six-year-old, I would have taken to this film without hesitation. It, it would have been fine. I, I, I don't think there would have been a problem. The two-year-old, maybe it would have been a little intense for him. So, And he, you know, he probably his attention span is so short, he probably wouldn't care about the movie anyway for very long. Huh. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in before you moved on. You sounded like you were moving on to the next topic. I hear you. Um, okay, and the other thing is, as a whole, um, the film from beginning to end is all about action, 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 go, 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 like so many action films are, and it's just overwhelming how much so. Really? Did you see the same film that I saw? Too much action-driven energies. I don't agree with that. Um, it's like a roller coaster from the five minute in mark to the end you're it, nuts no i'm totally serious you're nuts it, it, absolutely it's way stark too raving paced. mad it's way too fast paced <sighs> I, I like i like something where i can absorb it i can digest it along the way there's nothing like that here i actually thought this film did a good job of slowing down and letting you do that though 
Yeah, no, it's like, hey, let's introduce a brand new character with all kinds of complexities to him. He has a history, he has a story, he has all these unique magical powers. Supposedly, he's the answer to all of our problems. And then two seconds later, he's saying, well, actually, I know nothing. And then the next thing that happens is <gasps> something that we completely didn't expect. Look at this. Whoa, it's over in 30 seconds. Now we got to run on. It's like, whoa, 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 just what, what, what just happened? What decision was made? You know? Okay. And, and so... uh it was a funny thing. Um, my daughter didn't freak out by the scariness while watching the movie, but she lost interest um, over the halfway mark. And I, she doesn't normally do that with slower paced films, not slow and sluggish and boring films, but with slower films, it's able to hold her attention span better. And I think that this one was just so uh energetic and always on the go that it felt like a constant pace of, you know, it's like a, I don't know. It's like listening to pop rock music nonstop that all sounds alike for two hours. And as long as it maintains a very high level of energy and it never um, mellows out and there's not some uh, dynamic portions to it where it's easy and then other parts are forte, then it just, it feels way too repetitive. It's like background noise. Well, Joe, you are entitled to be wrong. Okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so let's, let's end this. Let's end our review as we normally don't <laughs> on a positive note and talk about yeah, some more things. Let's talk that about we, more of the good stuff. Yeah. What, what else? Uh, take, take, take it away, Joseph. What else did you like? I have, okay. I have a few things here. Um, hmm. Well, uh, hmm. Okay. Let me see. All right. You want me to go I, ahead? I have, no, no, no. I have something. Okay. Um, Christoph Waltz amazing yes he was on my list so yes christoph waltz i i uh you know my first exposure to him was in django unchained i did and uh man he was Best awesome in that film in the entire movie he, he, he stole that film right now that, did you know from like essentially the first scene that it was him or did you hear about it before you started the film or what uh in in epic yeah did i did you not know, know it was christoph waltz after the fact but i remember thinking Wow, I really like that that uh, the Mandrake's voice I was. and the characterization. As the movie was unfolding, I was like, "Dude, that guy's really good." And then I kept on thinking, "Wait a minute, I know that voice." Right. Well, as I soon as I, I I looked him up on IMDb, as soon as the film was over, as I was walking out of the theater, I quickly I was like, "Oh, I can hear that now." <laughs> yeah. And uh, and, the, and why it seems a little bit of remarkable is considering that all the other characters just sort of um, fit the parts and they didn't uh, bring – I mean, though they did a very professional job of executing their voice talents, uh, uh, you didn't think to yourself after it was over, wow, that Ronan guy, that, he has such an incredible voice. Who was that? Colin Farrell? He nailed it. No, you didn't think that. I will say there is one exception in that I don't think that uh, Beyonce would be a particularly talented voice actress or actress in no. general, but no. I thought that she was really good for this role. And I agree to that. Yeah, so I would say that's that's possibly an exception. I, you know, Amanda, I've already forgotten how you say that name. Uh, Seyfried. Seyfried. She was passable. Uh, you know, Her character was, okay. was passable. She's yeah. okay for a passable character. Yeah. So, but I, I would have to also say, you know, Colin Farrell was pretty good as Ronan. I really enjoyed Ronan. He had some pretty funny moments too. Like, uh, you would, and it was so deadpan, like you wouldn't have expected it, and yet you're sitting there going, <laughs> "That's pretty funny." Well, he looked like he had been taken right out of a, like a uh, a superhero cartoon action series. You know, something of the the you know batman the flash you know captain america ilk of t on tv he was yeah. like that kind of hero 
And yeah. so, yeah, they have some snarky humor along the way. Um, uh, did it seem odd to you that near the beginning, when you were still trying to figure out like how the relationships were at work, Mandrake is all about, let's wipe out all things that are alive. And he's like mentoring his son, Dagda. And his son is a bumbling idiot. Oh yeah, I did find that but, a little odd. And it was yeah. it was a poor prop, and, and it didn't establish his, the it didn't establish the Mandrake's motivations very well. I thought yeah, we were talking about man- likes this time, at, at this point, though. Well, the, well, I was going to just ask you a question because, um, well, it struck me as odd, and it still strikes me as odd that the the Mandrake son is killed in battle while the Mandrake is trying to wipe out everything alive and everything good. Um, but then the Mandrake takes this as a personal offense that his son died in battle and he's like, you know, going to go out there and seek revenge on all the people that he was going to kill anyway. And so he can't get over it through the rest of the film. Did it seem like it wasn't even necessary for his character development to you? Like, yeah, no, it didn't. With or without the son dying, it was like, well, it didn't actually change his motivations. His son just died and he goes about his business anyway. So why did his son need to die? You know, I I, I agree with that. I completely agree. Okay. Because I was just wondering, like, it seemed a little bit like uh, an undeveloped plot device that got left in there. And so they ended up giving uh, some voice talent part to the guy to play Dagda just uh, for a few minutes to get killed. It was like, uh, I don't know. It just didn't seem necessary. All right. One more thing that I loved, and I don't think you agree with me from my conversation with you earlier. Um you know, when, when it, they talk, start talking about Nimgaloo and you, you get the picture of this old, wise, kind of, uh, you know, uh, grandfatherly type figure. And you're completely surprised, at least I was, by how fun Nimgaloo is. I Man, he was like possibly my favorite character in this whole film. I, t- <laughs> I completely disagree. I knew you would. I hated the smug look on his face. He's such an idiot. Oh, he- I loved it. He's supposed to be like a historian slash uh, magician slash wizard. Uh, he's also a very important person, so he's supposed to be like a public speaker. And he's just a big, sh- he's just a big bumbling showstopper. He, he's just a big presenter. He doesn't. He's actually good at his job. Mm. Yet Ronan tr- trusts him anyway, and then he stumbles his way through, helping the good guys uh, getting on their way. I couldn't disagree more. Couldn't disagree more. I thought that he was good at his job and he did it in a fun way. That's funny. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up and talk about whether our our, our final feelings on this film. I I give this film uh, four out of five. Uh, apparently, we're doing magical pods. Oh, that's interesting. You have in the show outline uh, four or five stars. You can give it magical pods. I'm going to give it stars. Okay. Well, yeah. I was just messing around with the outline because I was pretty bored. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was just saying, I, I give the movie three out of five stars or magical pods. And um, my conclusion is the epic is decidedly not what you would expect. It's an entertaining film that adheres to a lot of conventions for kids' magical adventures. And it's beautiful to look at, which is usually what makes up somewhat an uh, overly familiar plot and uh, series of plot devices. Does that make sense? I suppose like it works. It works even though it seems overly familiar and it works for, for lighthearted kids entertainment. Well, let me say and wrap up that even, even with some of the negatives that we talked about, I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. And I was, I was absolutely, and there's all kinds of things we haven't revealed about this story. So oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot to still appreciate. I think the film is well worth seeing. I was blown away just by how good it was. I enjoyed it a lot. 
Um, and it's, I think it's a good one to take your kids to see as well, even if there's a little bit of scariness of the bad guy. I mean, most good films do have a bad guy that's a little bit scary, right? And it's certainly nothing my kids couldn't handle. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe they watch more intense stuff than you do. I don't know. I mean, they watch, they watch Stargate and stuff with me and, you know, they carry guns around and shoot people. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, as I said, I wouldn't hesitate to take my six-year-old and my four-year-old to see it uh, if I was looking to take them to see a film. Uh, and I even my my family is uh, away uh, visiting relatives, and uh, I even recommend it because my uh, my kids, uh, my wife's mom, their my kids' grandma likes to take them to see movies sometimes when they're up visiting her. And I said, well, hey, this is a good one, go see it. So they might do that. Um, you know, I, I thought it had something to offer to both the kids and the adults, much as I feel that about Pixar films. Maybe not quite as much, but it was still there, I think. Um, oh, oh, there was one thing that I missed. I, I, I liked that there was no subtle implication that rebellion against parental authority is good. It turns out, in case dad is completely right, and I really enjoyed that. I liked that. Um, so, And we often get just the opposite from the likes of Disney, you know, subtly implying that Rebellion against parental authority is a good thing because the parents didn't really know what they're talking about anyway. So as a parent, I never appreciate that, and I didn't find that to be true of this movie. Mm. So I think it's a good one. I think you should go see it. Uh, like I said, I give it four or five stars. Go see it and have fun. Mm. Mm. So that, that's my take. I hear you. All do, right. you want to see an, uh, do you want to see an epic sequel? I don't know if it's necessary, but at the same time, it might be fun. I, I'd give it a chance, but I don't know. If, I, can see, I, don't, I can see that there's room for a sequel oh, based on how they room. ended the film. Yeah, absolutely. There's certainly room. Definitely. And I'd much rather see another one of these than an Ice Age or something. Or Madagascar 10, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our review of Epic. Now, Joe, you and I, we have to tread in some sad waters. Oh, yeah. You ready to talk about that? No, I'm not ready to talk about it, but it has to be talked about. Okay, cool. Um, you have been with this show <laughs> since its inception. Uh, you, yes. you with uh, Movie Bite. You've I been actually with movie predate Bite. you if you look at it in terms of the history of movieology. Oh, sure. You were you were around in in the previous incarnation that that directly led to the founding of Movie Bite. You were around when movieology was a web show. Um, and you, you know, you and I started having conversations about doing a podcast, which led to the website and you helped design the site. You had a lot of input and into a lot of things and you will continue to do so all fun stuff. Uh, and you will, you will continue to be on the podcast from time to time, but, uh, your life situation is such that you're going to have to take a leave of absence. (laughs) Yeah. And it gives me a sad that. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, thank you. I, I'm glad I appreciate your, uh, your tears. Um, over here. Yeah. What's going on is that I, I have some other projects I need to desperately work on. So I'm not abandoning movie bite or your mission to create awesome movie related topical discussion online and in the podcast. I just cannot be on a regular basis on the show. So uh, we're working to land our replacement for me. And I thought we had that I'll, locked down. I, I'm saying that it's not locked down, but it's night lockdown. Okay. Well, I won't say who it is then yet. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about that just yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm going to be with you on the show um, through the end of uh, June. Yeah, June. So, because I really wanted to talk about some of the really awesome movies of the uh, summer, <laughs> like Man of Steel. <clears throat> And Monsters University. Yeah, Monsters University. Okay. So, 
there's that. Yeah, I got to go off and do some other things. I have a few other business ventures I'm working on now. Um, I was just made the content uh, editor-in-chief of sorts for a, um, a very different sort of company, a very different sort of site. It's is, about... Is it live? You want to talk about You want to give out the promoter it a little is, bit? It is almost live. Okay. Um, well, we'll it, wait. Is a, it is a cigar company, but I can't give you out the web address. I'm actually right now working on the uh, the web address for them. But we're going to have a website sort of like um, pertaining to things of interest like the Cigar Aficionado. And I'm going to be managing that content and uh, getting writers and what have you, possibly involved in some events and also selling real cigars. Um, I have one of them on my desk right here right now. I'm dying to smoke. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, because I, I, a lot of this is uh, a whole new curveball to my career. I have a lot to learn in this new field. I need to uh, develop a lot of uh, knowledge and expertise as it pertains to these um, the, to this uh, product. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very eager to do so. So I'm going to be studying these things, and I just don't have enough time for movies as well as you know very good smokes. Well, Joe, we are certainly going to miss you on the podcast, and we have a little yeah. bit more time with you, so don't everybody get all too sad. You're going to be here, through, as you said, through the end of June, and we will have a replacement. The show must go on. Yes. And uh, I'm excited about who the and replacement is supposed to be. I'll be listening while I be. smoke. I'll be <laughs> listening to you guys. Yeah, and I, I'm actually kind of excited about who the replacement we think we have, but we haven't apparently nailed down, which I thought we had. Get on that, Joe. Uh, are you <laughs> gone yet? Don't let the door hit you it. on the way out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, right. but uh, – yeah, so uh, that yeah, that's that's really all I have to say is that you will be missed, and I don't know how in the world I'm going to run a show without you. Uh, Whatever, but we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, see if you know. You already run an ep- uh, another show without me. You yeah. liar. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> we won't talk about that right now. Uh, so anyway, uh, next week we will still have Joe on the show, and you will be reviewing with me the film Now You See Me. Which I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to. It'd be interesting to see if it's any good or not. Hmm. No. You you want to go ahead and uh, give give it? You know, <laughs> you, you you apparently what you're saying is that you're uh, optimistic. I'm, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. That the thing that concerns me is that it, I'm not sure if it's it's very over the top magic. Right. Well, is is, is it going to be is it going to be realistic or is it there is actual magic or or what or there's some kind of yeah. sci-fi aspect? I'm not sure. And then I'm also not sure about the morality. Like, are they saying that it's that the that our protagonists are these bad guys doing bad things? I'm not sure yet, but. I'm still cautiously optimistic. It certainly looks like it could be fun. So we'll we'll see how that goes. What about you? Hmm. Yeah, I'm optimistic. Uh, and I think it's just going to be a a very amusing, fun amusement film. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So we'll we'll be talking about that next week. Well, Joe, I'd say it was an epic review. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, where can people find your work online? Where can they keep up with you? Where can they follow you? Where can they stalk you? <laughs> well, yeah, if you want to do that, um, knock yourself out. Um, and I might knock you out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm available on the Twitter and Facebook. I'm Joseph Darnell. And my own site, which I've neglected a little bit here lately, but I plan to get back to is jivingjackalope.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, go there. All right. You can also follow me on the Twitters. I am uh, TJ Draper Pro. That is my preferred social networking medium. Follow me there if you want to, if you must, if you absolutely just don't want to be on Twitter but you're on Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash TJ Draper. 
Uh, I usually do uh, somewhat of a cross-posting. I know most people hate that, but I, I, I do sometimes I'll modify this. Uh, whatever. Anyway, you can find me at those two places. Uh, you can find all of the writing and the work that I do at moviebyte.com. Uh, I also I wanted to promote this too since we got so many new listeners lately on uh, this podcast. I wanted to promote my other podcast. It's called The Wrap. It's 15 minutes or less uh, usually. <laughs> I, I went over 15 last week. Oops, um, and I, I didn't even realize it. But uh, it's called The Wrap. Uh, MovieBite.com/slash/TheWrap, and it's where I recap the events and the highlights of the week, some of the cool articles, and give you a few opinions along the way. A lot of fun. Usually less than 15 minutes, easily digestible. So MovieBite.com/slash/TheWrap. You can find the show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 46. Uh, you can follow MovieByte on Twitter at MovieByte. You can find MovieByte on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviebyte. That is it for us this week. It was an epic review, and we're out of here. <laughs>